Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. I've got the pleasure of having Martin Brosman here today. Not only is he a sales guru, he is an NLP dude as well. Martin, welcome to the program. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because it's NLP had such an important role in my life when I took it many years ago. And also just for years of coaching people where they get stuck around sales. And that this is something I'm passionate about because I experienced it as well, leaving IBM. I used to have the attitude towards sales. They, they, I was in support for IBM and they always won me in sales because I was so good with customers. And they said, why don't you get in sales? And I said, well, I don't lie and I don't play golf. And I laughed. <laughs> And and then yeah. then I became self-employed and went. I'm going to starve to death. I've got an immature internal attitude of sales. I need to mature right away and quick, or I'll be in big trouble. But that thought about you know that's what a lot of people think is that salespeople are disingenuous, right? And they just goof off and have you know uh, expense accounts with fancy dinners and playing golf. And that is not the reality of things at all. No, the biggest crisis to me is the attitude of salespeople must be con men. Salespeople must go for a win-lose relationship. And what I had to do is redefine sales for me. I had to just say, let's wipe it out. Let's assume I have a bias that's hurting my business. And then defining it and discovering that real ethical sales is a true win-win relationship. And it's also a lot of ethical people often have a you win and I lose. No, it must be win-win. And this was the beginning of understanding the importance of it and that it's about Ethical sales is about an invitation where they truly can choose to do it or not. Because if not, they're going to get buyer's remorse. They aren't going to be happy. They're not going to refer you. It's, it's, there really is no other way to go but a true win win relationship, especially for small and micro businesses. Absolutely. All over the place. And that word, uh, con men, it actually comes from confidence men. And one of the things that is similar to what we do for a living sales is that you need to have a lot of confidence in yourself. And if you're doing that for your own gain, you get a level of confidence. But if you're like, you know, hmm, there's a problem here. How do I solve it in a way that my customer becomes a raving fan, sends me a ton of referrals, and is names their first kid after me, and I get to make my company look good. And that's what sales is all about, solving problems in a way that's elegant and uh, gets great results for everyone. Agree entirely. And the first thing is to do your best to become aware of your internal representation of sales. Because most of the people I find that are terrible at sales 
that's where the problem is. Their internal representation. Then when you get them to sell, guess what they do? They act the way they don't want to be. They don't want to be part of. They actually project the negative that's in their head and start doing it. I go, stop doing that. that I don't want to buy from you with that. You know, hear me, understand me, see if it's a win-win. And then if it is, don't close the sale. Invite me that you'd like to work with me. Because if you don't enjoy working with me, I'm not the right client for you. It's not a good match. Now, this is a little different in retail, so I want to take that. But even in that, the marketing and everything should have what I call push-pull effect, kind of my mm-hmm. you know, marketing approach where we should be unattractive to the people we can't serve and attractive to the people we can serve and get better at defining that so we enjoy who we're working with. So Martin, can you help me out with dating? Because you know that would be really, really useful that I become more attractive to the women that I want and less attractive than them might. But Dear okay, viewers, I'm going to give you one one tip because my first book was a men's book I wrote about nice. a discussion group I had, and the first one is to assume that your automatic attractive system is not trustworthy, because most intelligent people I know most our automatic attractive system was developed by a child at a very young age or a teenager and had nothing to do with our lives working. <laughs> That's the first step on it. Your auto system is dysfunctional. So then start getting values on it. Go ahead. So are you saying that, you know, when I meet a girl that I like, I shouldn't punch her in the shoulder like I did when I was four to right, let her know right, I like right. her? But also even more, you know, be suspicious of what you're automatically attracted to. That was yeah. imprinted like a little chickadee when you were too young to know, have good judgment. So, no, I am serious that even that is something most, and it's fascinating. I mean, I've worked with top performers, salespeople, everything, and it's amazing how their automatic system in that you need to not trust, you know, and then ask, what are the values? What is the thing that's important to me? And, but then I also, as someone who just loves my wife to death, believe the concept I learned in that relationship is the deepest love comes from commitment, not from a bubbly feeling that's automatically been trained when I was too young to have good judgment. Right. And so going back to that salespeople and that thing that's inside our head, dear viewers and listeners, uh, here is how you can uncover what's going on. Sometimes I'll go to a presentation, there'll be a room full of salespeople, and I'll have two flip charts. Flip chart A, the good flip chart, and flip chart B, the not so good. And I will say, please finish this sentence for me. Salespeople are, and someone will say, they're motivated. Green pen on the good flip chart, motivated. They're driven. They're amazing. They solve problems. Then after about five or six positive attributes, someone says, they're sleazy, goes in the bad flip chart. They're untrustworthy. They take advantage of you. And that list is always bigger. So when you're examining yourself, finish that sentence. Salespeople are, and some good ones will come out. When the bad ones come out, then you kind of go, okay, salespeople are sleazy. And then you have to ask yourself, what is the benefit of me having that belief? And there's always a benefit. And then how could I get another belief that would give me what I want without losing the benefit? And so, yeah, introspection. And we need to figure out who we are because that's when we uncover our most powerful self. You just gave a great example of someone 
could take it right out of this show. Just write down salespeople are and be as honest as possible. And if you've got a bunch of those things that are negative, that's your projection. And that's what what's stopping you because ethical sales and working with people and really sales, because I believe sales is a profession, it's ethical, it's something honorable, is truly being of service and finding the right match. And and also referring out the wrong, if it's not the right match, that's what your strategic partners are for, to Absolutely. refer that out. Yeah. Takes courage to do that though, because a lot of times it's like, oh, I don't want to lose that. You know, maybe I can do that. And you start becoming wishy washy, you lose your integrity, and just really. So let me ask you this, Martin, because none of what you're saying is like uh, rocket science. You're not a genius. I'm not a genius. But yet, millions upon millions of salespeople don't do any of that stuff. So, how do we really uncover? who we can serve and in what way. And if you could answer that by thinking about one of your past clients, and you can change the name to protect the innocent and say, Mm -hmm. I was working with Jane and this is what she thought she was doing. I helped her realize X and this is how I helped to do that. And now she's doing Y. Could you give me one of those stories that makes it real for our viewers and listeners? I actually want to give a salesperson who hired me as a coach to get out of the sales field. And I think the beginning is, I need to go in to make sure in the first interview, is it a right match or not? And if I am some reason too desperate to to not distinguish that, I need to get that straightened out first. So I sat down, the guy said, my boss is crazy. He screams at me. I want to get out of sales. And I said, could we take a moment? Where do you want to go? And long story short is, he said, I want to retire at this age and sail my sailboat. And I looked at what he was doing and looked at the field he was in. I went, you're actually in the best field to be in to get that goal. Yeah. Would you be open to really working with me on how to not care about your boss yelling? And I, I needed to know, are they willing to make the behavioral changes to get the results they were, because most people would won't do that. You know, most people won't make the behavioral change in our field is very expensive. We aren't therapists. We want the minimum possible. And so I, I said, yes, well, the long story short is I got him to make it a game. And when we were done at the end of the year, his boss stood up, held up his numbers and said, you all are worthless idiots. Look at what this guy did. And he was the peak performer. His boss was still, you know, yeah, right, right. You know, and it's the, but the fact is, is he learned to shift his representation of it and get power over it. You know, that which offends us is something that we're giving our power away to. And that which insults us is something we're giving our power away to. And when we got under, how do you do? And I, I like to play a game and you understand this and probably do it with many clients of how can I, I ask them, how can I be you in a day? I need to be offended the same way you are. And that's, we won't go into the NLP stuff, the meta programs and all that, but that's what we're listening for is what nice. is the coding of being offended like you are or getting upset and so forth. And then we have to get them some distance and make some other decisions on it. Did that give you a, a, an answer you were looking for? I could come did, up with another two things. 
two things came up. Uh, number one, when you first decided, do I want to work with this guy or not? Or am I like really desperate? I heard this expression recently. It was called quota breath. Like when you have quota breath, people can sense it and they don't want to work with you because you're like so desperate. But going back to what you said, which I think was spot on, the only thing I'd add to it is this, is that I'm not, I'm going to ask you a strange question, Martin, but just answer honestly. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be an opera singer? Right, right. No, I don't. So I I would annoy people. I've had women in church say, you don't have to sing. Please. (laughs) So the reason I ask that is this, is that if you were like thinking, you know, oh, I don't think I'd be an opera singer, you, you wouldn't care. It's like, I don't want to do that anyway. What do I care about? But there's things that you want to do that you're not doing in the way you want to do. And when you think about those, an uncomfortable feeling comes up in your body. Mm-hmm. And the clue to finding what's going on is when that feeling comes up. So let's say somebody that when they hear no once in a sales conversation, they don't want to hear it again. And as soon as they hear the no, they get this uncomfortable feeling. Finish that sales appointment and just kind of go back to your car and then go back to that moment in the meeting when they heard the no, feel that feeling and just put your hand there and say, hello. What's causing that feeling is going to answer and go, yep. You're going to say, well, what are you trying to do for me? And you'll get the answer to why that block is there. And at that point, you can fix it yourself or call Martin, go 1-800-MARTIN, and Martin's going to help you. I've looked over your work. You've got great resources, too. So I don't want to short that as well. And what we're trained to do is when we feel that uncomfortable feeling, I don't want to go near that. And the clue to greatness is when you feel that uncomfortable feeling or when you F up, the clue to getting over it is in that event. And so don't shy away from it. Embrace it. And on the other side of that is something wonderful. And what's on the other side is a better version of you. It's such an important thing that we start identifying the feelings and then how are we going to interpret them and how to service. I do want to share a story that came to mind from a book called Iron John, which was really about men maturing. And I highly recommend it by Robert Bly. And it was about a kingdom that was terrorized by a swamp with an big creature that was killing everyone. They couldn't go in the woods. And they had a sign up said night for hire uh, to clean up this problem. So this guy showed up, says, I'll take on the job. He had his dog with him. He goes to the edge of the swamp and the giant creature reaches out, grabs his dog that he loved dearly, pulls it in the swamp and kills it immediately. And 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 the warrior says, I'm at the right place. And the fact was, is it didn't mean he didn't lose the dog, didn't love the dog. It wasn't a loss, but it was the indicator. Okay, this is where I need to be. This is the problem to face. And it's starting to get the power where instead of ignoring our feelings, noticing our feelings, but not just being our feelings. And that's where that separation does take some work. And I've worked with many people in getting that apart. You know, uh, one, you know, the, the thing is, is <laughs> one of my jokes with sometimes clients is I go, stop being your feelings. Notice them. You don't want to stuff them. This is what's happening in my body. And then let's get power on it as an indicator. Is it something I should just postpone and deal with later? Or is it something I need to address? And getting that helps people separate real intuition from emotional bubbly ups and downs that happen all the time in bodies. And most people are pretty much a, a 
let's not say most, many people are often a, a drama king or queen just completely rolled by them. And that's someone else driving the bus, not you. So if I was an emperor for a day, this is what I would do for the world, is like I get people to understand what the frick feelings are. So what we do is we feel fear. And it's like, oh my God, I'm afraid I'm going to run away. And what is fear? Biologically, the maker gave us fear for one freaking reason. And it was, I'm going to make you at your physical best. When you have fear, you are your strongest self. You have the ability to fight like hell or run like hell. Your reaction time is like Superman fast. Your ability not to feel pain and still keep going is, is baked into it. And what we've been trained by our moms and our environment is when you feel afraid, run away. And what we need to realize is the maker put it there. When you feel afraid, you're at your best self and move forward. And the same thing with guilt, same thing with anger. All those emotions have a flip side. And if you kind of repurpose them, you become awesomer. Yes, yes. And is that that the start of getting the distance, the start of identifying. And and really, like we said, the fundamental is if you're having a problem with sales, what is your internal representation? What do you, re- what do you unconsciously, we want to bring that conscious, identifying as the bad of sales? And then we've got to plug in a definition that will work with your value systems and understand. Because when I tell people, to me, sales is being of service in the world. Sales is making sure that I'm adding so much value, what I'm charging is well worth it. It adds to them. And, and dumbass not to do it. against that, you know, and they usually aren't against that. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying you got to be a dumbass not to do it. I got to be right. a complete idiot not to take this journey with Martin because because ultimately at the end of the day there was this old uh, comic strip called Pogo, and uh, he had this one phrase in it, and the phrase was "We have met the enemy, and the enemy is us." Mm-hmm. We need to realize yeah. that it's not the competition, it's not your boss, it's not your spouse, it's not your kids, it's not your education, it's not your wealth. It's what's happening in your mindset is getting in the way of you stepping up to who you've always meant to be. And we've heard that, you know, hero's journey. Yeah, And certainly, you know, you can go on an adventure, but really the hero's journey is an internal one that if you can actually face your fears and move beyond, you step into a place and kind of go, I didn't die. Man, I can do anything I truly want and just go out there and make it happen. You know, some of the most amazing people I've gotten to coach that are entrepreneurs and highly successful when I build enough trust to hear about their childhood, I don't know how they live through it. And so I think we make a decision in life is either we're going to identify with our victimness or we're going to transform it as fuel to be great. And uh, the actually, to me, the tragic is the people who had no wounds, had no tragedy, had the perfect upbringing, because they have nothing to transform the fuel that drives so many powerful people that I met, entrepreneurs, men and women, success beyond anything you could imagine. And you get to, I build rapport coaching with them, we'll find out, I don't know how you lived through your childhood. And the, the reality is we all live through our childhood. So I was working with this woman and we were talking about, she came in because she, uh, had a little bit of difficulty, you know, public speaking. It's like, if there's one person there, I can do it. But if there's more than one, I can. And as she's talking, her hand goes up to her throat in such a way that it's like, hmm, there's something there. 
And then as we start talking, I, I happen to be a good hypnotist as well. Mm. So I put her in a light trance and I said, tell me about a particular time when you went to do public speaking and it felt uncomfortable and you did it or you didn't do it. And when we would get back there, all of a sudden a memory comes back from childhood, like a thunderbolt. She was five years old and her uncle had taken her into a separate room. He was sexually molesting her and he was choking her so she wouldn't make a sound. And she'd been carrying this for 40 years without knowing it. And so NLP is a great tool for going in there and disconnecting what happened and the meaning of what happened and changing it. And for her, it was a life-changing event. It gave her a life back. She could comfortably, powerfully speak in public. I didn't teach her a thing about speaking. And that's what we have the potential to do. And that's NLP is in the be-all, end-all. But there's methodologies out there that if you are stuck, how do you know you're stuck? You feel that uncomfortableness in your body and go explore that and go find someone that can help you to get disconnect that and you become the person you were meant to be. And I think that's what you're doing, Martin. That's what I'm doing for people is to get them to put the BS aside and start living life fully. Yes. In fact, it's interesting. You said that when I wanted to get into coaching, I, I hired two a psychiatrist and a social worker to consult me on the boundaries to know so I knew exactly when I needed to refer someone to them and what was within the realm of my comfort of coaching, which is, you know, very future focused and barriers and knowing when there was a wall big enough, I needed to refer out. And that was a valuable tool for me to know those very clear boundaries. And it actually, what it led to is a lot of uh, therapists over the years saying this, we're done. You know, you need to go work with Martin on goals and making stuff happen and other things. Nice. I'm done with that. And it, it was interesting because those, that was back in early 90 and 91 when I started planning to build up this career, there weren't a lot of resources around coaching and what it was. And there was kind of a life coaching, but there wasn't, and I really had coined the term success coach. I talked to an attorney. He goes, you'll fight it the rest of your life. Give it away if you're the first to use the name. And that was the interface of business planning and success and then personal, the inner game and the outer game of focusing on. But that was something that was very valuable to me. You mentioned of knowing where my boundary was when I go, okay. Yeah. This is beyond the scope of what I can help you with. Here's some people I recommend. It kind of reminds me of uh, a movie with Clint Eastwood, his Dirty Harry movies. Yes. And there's this one scene where he goes, a man's got to know his limitations. Right. And that's right. what you did. It's like, hey, I know my limitations. I'm great here. I need resources there. And most of us, you know, I find it difficult sometimes. It's like, yeah, I could do that too. And I could do that too. And what you need to realize is you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your client a disservice. What you need to figure out is where could I be the best in the world at? And even if I'm not going to be best in the world, just by thinking it, I could be 60% of the way there. By tweaking the things I need to tweak, I could easily get up to 80%. Mm -hmm. Over the next year, I could get up to 90%. And I might get up into the 92% of all best in the world which is freaking fantastic. But if you don't have that thought, or if you let yourself have project creep, well, I can do this and that and the other thing, then you're just going to be mediocre. And who needs to hire a mediocre coach or a mediocre employee? That's one of the sins of early corporate training. Uh, and the sins of that was they would always at IBM have us list our shortcomings and work on it. 
And it wasn't until I found a good book on it. And it was uh, Strength Finders was the book that changed my life. You know it as well. But the concept was really successful people play to their strengths so much they can generate enough revenue to pay other people to fill in the blanks they're not as good at. Now, when you start, you're going to have to do everything, of course, and make sure that that you take the trash out and all those. But that's another important piece is, what am I absolutely best at? And then how can I generate enough revenue that I can pay someone to do the other? I still need to oversee it and understand it and manage it. But that was another important piece and lesson that I learned that was counter to what I experienced from the conversations in the corporate world. Yeah. And what it kind of makes me think about is, so you're good at this one thing. And if you start focusing on that one thing, it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. It's not only you're letting go of the weakness, you're actually strengthening the strength. And that's how you become spectacular at what you do. And Martin, you are spectacular at helping people break through their barriers and do great in sales. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yes, it was wonderful. And thanks again. I do want to tell people, check out all your great resources as well. Thanks so much. And uh, dear viewers and listeners in the show notes, we're going to have all the links to get a hold of uh, Martin and all his resources. Thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, I am looking forward to uh, hitting stop so Martin and I can do the after the interview conversation. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 